Amen. Okay, listen, today is kind of like, uh, it might be like the first day of class, you know, in college. Those of you who went to college or, or go into college, you know, you remember the first day of class? And you remember the, uh, the professor gets up and he announces, okay, uh, thank you all for being here. This is such and such class, you know. And then two or three people get up and walk out the back door. You know, you, you all ever had that happen? Yeah. Has ever happened to any of y'all? Any of y'all had to ever do that? You know. Uh, and when he says, "Okay, this is such and such," you know, two hundred one or whatever, you've got, you've got. Normally, that happens in a one hundred one because it's normally the freshmen that are totally lost, right? But, but when 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 he says that or she says that, then you have a you have a decision to make, don't you? If you're in the wrong room, you have a decision to make. Okay, do I get up and walk and get to the class I'm supposed to get to so I don't miss the very first class, you know, and everything? Or do I not want to embarrass myself and I'm just going to sit here and act like this is the place I'm supposed to be? Okay, that's a little bit of like it is right here, this sermon, sermon this morning, is you've got a decision to make, okay? Because I want to tell you, those of you who are parents right now, I believe God is going to dig into your stuff today. I believe he is just going to mess with you. And those of you who are future parents, a lot of you right here, I know, the future parents, you know, he's going to be digging into your stuff too because you need to be getting ready for some things. So now you've got a decision to make. You may be sitting there thinking, I am in the wrong room right now because God is going to dig into me because i got a lot of stuff for God to dig into. We've all got stuff, okay? Don't look up here and see because I'm standing on the stage and think, you know, the spotlight's on me that I don't have anything to hide, okay? Don't, don't, don't misbelieve that, that, that there's nothing in my past that I'm not embarrassed of, that, that I'm glad is under the blood. No, there's a lot of stuff I am glad is under the blood. And you, you, you don't have to ask me. You, I don't have to tell you those things. They are there, though, okay? So all of us are in this place. Don't be embarrassed. Just say, I'm here for a purpose. God's called me to this place. Now, now 29-11, we're all about reversing trends, okay? Here's one of the trends. One of the trends is the average age of most churches today. I'm talking about the, the age of the people in most churches today. The average age is getting older and older and older as we lose more and more young people and kids. Okay? And that's a trend that we don't want to just buck you know, don't just buck the trend. We, we want to actually do something about reversing the trend. And we've done that. I mean, to a, to a great extent, we've, we, we've been, I kind of hate to use the term successful, but, but God has blessed us, and, and we're reversing that trend at 2911. And, and you look around, and you see all these new faces and, and say, thank God for that. Another, another trend in the church world today is that churches become more and more and more about themselves, of who they already are. It's almost like, and I know a lot of pastors that, that they feel this way and they don't, it's like they've given up. And, and, and it's not like, I'm lazy, I'm getting, it's like, I don't know what else to do except just take care of the ones I got and the ones I got are getting older and older and older and we just make it more and more and more about ourselves instead of making it about those that aren't yet in church. And that's one of the reasons for this. Y'all know what this is, right? Right? Ping pong ball. Oh, okay, it's, it's what it symbolizes, right? This month we're doing a thousand invitations to remind ourselves that it's not about us. It's about those out there, the 20-something thousand in North Jefferson County alone who are not affiliated with any Christian church. And a great number of those are those who have, who have left the church. They are, and sometimes we call them de-church, you know, because they were there and then they kind of left, they got away from church. And so a lot of those are that way, and they're de church let me tell you something about the D-Church, those who are not attending church today. Here's a statistic for you. 
is 37% of those say they will not go to church because they had a bad experience in a church or with a Christian. And that's why they want. So if we're going to reverse that trend, one of the things we're going to have to do is we're going to have to show them that, hey, yeah, we all make mistakes. I, want, you know, I told you that right up front. We all make mistakes. None of us are perfect, including me, the pastor, the leader. You know, I'm sorry. I hope I didn't bust anybody's bubble, but none of us are perfect. You know what? And sometimes you're going to get hurt, but there's still a God out there who wants to minister to you and take care of you and help you through whatever it is you're going through. He wants to help you with that. And so that's why we're doing this. And hey, don't forget, if you make an invitation, go by and drop the ping pong ball in. We're almost where we need to be. We got one more week of this in the month of August. So, so help us do that. So, oh, that's a little short. It'll have to bounce twice. Okay, thank you. Go ahead, Micah. So take that as your example. Okay, so here, here's what I want to share with you. I want to share with you about our kids. Here's one of the other trends we want to reverse. We want to reverse this trend of our kids leaving. And, and here it is. Here's the stats. Three of every four kids and teenagers in Christian churches leave after they graduate high school. That doesn't mean they leave their church and go to another church close to campus because they go to college. It means they leave the church. Three out of four, 75%. And here's what a lot of people think. A lot of people look and they see, they see like these guys and some of you were de-churched and came back, right? They see some of you out here and now you've got kids and so you they say, well, most of them are going to come back. No, they're not. Some of them are going to come back, and then we delude ourselves into believing that most of them will, when they get married and start having kids, they'll come back because they want to raise their kids in church. But that most of them will not. But even if most of them do, that's still not okay to say, well, most of them will come back and say, well, we don't have to worry about it. No, we do have to worry about it. Because 75% leave, and a majority of them never, ever fully come back and reconnect with the church. And so that's another trend that we have to stop. And, and, and as a church, I, I want to talk to you about some things as a church today, but I want to talk to you about this as in your family, and that you've got to decide, I don't want to just reverse, help reverse the trend in, the, in society and in our culture that has always believed in God and always been a Christian nation. I don't want to just reverse the trend out there. I want to stop the trend in my own family. I don't want my kids to grow up and leave the church and leave Jesus behind and say, well, the church just hurt me or whatever. I don't want that to happen. I want you to decide today, yes, I want to be a part of helping reverse the trend in society, but I want to stop it in my family. And some of you are not married yet. You don't, you don't have a spouse yet, much less kids. Make your mind up right now. I want that to never happen in my family. It was one of the things I taught. I, I didn't make a deal with God when I told him, yes, I'd go into ministry and I'd be a pastor. I didn't make a deal with him, but I asked him for a couple of things. And one of the things I asked him for was, don't let me lose my family. It wasn't a deal like, God, if you won't let me lose my family, I'll go in. But it, it was the thing I said, God, here, I, I just want to ask you for this. The two things I asked for, one of them was, don't let me lose my family. And you've got to make up that, uh, that's, you've got to make that same determination, make up your mind in the same way that I'm not going to lose my family. Uh, let me share with you just a few things about how we get there. John Nielsen, uh, youth pastor, uh, and he, he kind of gathered some information from a lot of other youth pastors, and he wrote an article on three common reasons or three common things, traits of youth who don't leave the church. And he wrote this article right after he had uh, some people sitting in his office boohooing and crying, and they weren't crying because their kids had gotten involved in drugs. They weren't crying because they, they had become alcoholics. 
they were crying just because they had walked away from the church. And that, you know, hey, we've raised them in church, what have we not? And he said, there, there are some things that you need to do as a parent that you need, that you need to do that will, that will help them not. And here are three common traits that he gives. And I want to, you know, he gives them, and I could just read the article to you, but I really want to dig in just a little bit. Not, we don't have much time today, but a, a little bit deeper into those three things. The first one is this, is that they are converted. They were converted. Meaning they had a conversion experience. They had a conversion with God. Uh, let, me, let me explain it to you this way. Who here knows Michael Jordan? Raise your hand. Okay, uh, Micah, when are you going to see him again? Would you get his autograph for me? Yeah, uh, you going to see him this week, next week or something? No, it's going to be sometime soon. Uh, you going to have lunch with him? You wish, but you said you knew him, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, he didn't mean that he knew, knew, knew him. He meant I knew of him, right? And he caught some of the rest of you too, but I just pointed Micah out because he'll let me get away with that, right? You, didn't, you don't know Michael Jordan. You know of Michael Jordan, Right? I'd love to have his autograph, though, if any of you really did know him. You raised your hand a minute ago, okay? Uh, but you don't really know Michael Jordan. You know of him. Now, what does that mean? That means he don't know you, right? Is there anybody in this room, let me ask that way, anybody in this room that Michael Jordan knows you? Okay, that's what I thought, right? Okay, so th that's really where we are. Here, here's, here's the difference right up here. When, when, when someone is converted, they don't just know about God, they know God. And, and, and God doesn't just know that I created them one day. He knows them. He has relationship with them. You remember that scripture where Jesus says at the end when, when I'm going to judge the nations and everybody's got to stand and, and, and they've got to give account for how they've lived their life. There are going to be some that say, hey, I went to church. I did all these right things. And Jesus is going to have to say, but, but, but I don't know you. You know what he's talking about? That's what he's talking about. It's about knowing him. When you are converted, you don't just attend church. When you were converted, you don't just have a Bible. When you were converted, you develop relationship with him and things begin, you know what the word convert means? Things begin to change in your life. There's a conversion. There's a change that happens. There's a, there, there is something that takes place because of the blood of Jesus that washes away your sin and, and then convicts you of living that way and it makes you say, wait a minute, I wanna do things differently. And so the very first thing you've got to get is, is if you want your kids to never leave, you need to make sure they're converted. Okay, the second thing is this. They were equipped, not just entertained. Equipped, not just entertained. In the world that our kids are growing up today, in today, more than ever before, they need to be equipped to give an answer when someone questions their faith. Because their faith is being questioned more often, their faith is being questioned deeper and stronger and more in your face than it has ever been in this country. And in such a time where they've needed more equipping, they're getting less equipping. And so there, it's like there is a, a growing, you know, a, a growing dichotomy, a growing dis distance between what they need and what they receive. And so what we've got to do as a church is we, that's one of the things that we can do, is we've got to make sure they're not just getting what they want, but they're getting what they need. That they're not getting entertained, but they're getting equipped to be able to give the answer. And mom and dad, you also play a part in that. You've got to help them know how to answer for their faith. You've got to share with them and challenge them and make sure they know that it's not just about an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning. That make sure they know what their faith is about. And the third thing he said is that they were preached the gospel by their parents. As I say, number three, 
for me, Chase. Their parents preached the gospel to them. They were preached to. You know, here's the thing, here's the thing that, that John is saying here. John Nielsen is saying. He's saying the kids that hang in there are the kids whose family prayed before meals. Or the kids who saw their parents pick up a Bible and read it. Or the kids who heard their parents pray and knew their parents truly had a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then when they did wrong, it wasn't just because, hey, you can't do that because one day you're going to grow up and you're going to get thrown in jail for doing something like that. It was, because, it was not just related to crimes and related to the laws of the land, but it was related to God and it was related to righteousness and related to what God says about right living and those things. You know, that their parents must preach the gospel to them. What is it you talk about? Because whatever it is you talk about is what your kids are going to think is the most important thing. You talk about sports? I do. I talk about sports. You talk about money? I do. I talk about money. You know? What do you talk about? Whatever you talk about, they're going to think is important to you. Do you ever talk about God? Do you ever talk about Jesus? You need to be talking about if he is If he is more important than sports, then he ought to come up a lot more. I mean, now listen, and I understand, you know, my kids probably got tired sometimes of me talking about God because every time somebody in the you know, in our extended family would mess up. That was an awesome, te- I jumped on it. That was a teaching moment, you know. Somebody did something stupid and they got in trouble with the law or whatever. That was a teaching moment. I jumped on that, and I, you know, and, I, and my kids would tell me, said sometimes, yeah, they got tired of me doing that. Can, can I tell you something, though? Is your kids, yes, they're going to grow, grow tired. And those of you who don't have kids yet, listen, they're going to grow tired one day of hearing you talk about God. Let me, do you know when they're going to be the most tired of hearing you talk about God? It's when they're not living right. And so when they di- dislike it the most is the time they need it the most. And so when you sense that they're pushing back from it, you know what you're supposed to do? Same thing the old preacher said. The old preacher said, you know, when you're preaching and everybody gets quiet, nobody's chuckling or laughing or clapping their hands or saying amen or whatever, when you're getting quiet, you nail, you're really hitting them where they live. Now it's time to nail them to the wall. You know, and that's the way you, you got you to pay attention, parents, with your kids and realize that when you're giving them this instruction and they're backing away from it, that's the time to realize, okay, I'm getting somewhere with them. There's something not right here. It's not time to back off and say, okay, I don't want to offend you. No, l- listen, when we have something wrong in our lives, we need to be offended. When we have things wrong in our families, we need to be offended. When we have things wrong in our, our marriage and our relationships, we need to be offended so that we can change what needs to change. And here's how John Nielsen wrapped up, started wrapping up his, his article. He said, he said this right here, this, this is not like, you know, you just do these few things and it's automatically going to happen. He said this is not a formula. You don't just do these things and it's automatically going to happen. This is not a formula, but it's also not a crapshoot. Here's what he means. Is, yeah, look, you can do all of these things and then you still have a kid that turns away and walks away from God. But the kids that hang in there, they have all of these things right here. So it's not a crapshoot. If you do the things that you know to do and that need to be done, chances are you have just increased the likelihood that they're going to hang in there with God. And they're going to believe, and they're going to believe that and be with him and do that. Here's something that I believe. And I appreciate that article, and it's been around, man, it's been, it's been shared everywhere right now because, and, and you parents, go read it. Google it and read it. John Nielsen, if you don't know, you can, you can look on the notes a little later. But read it and listen to it. Think about it. Here's something I believe. I want you to know, if you haven't been here very long, you, you've not heard me say this. I believe in household salvation. 
I believe that a dad and a mom that are living for God, that are Christians, and that are not just Christians in the name of but are true Christians, I believe that they can lead their house, their entire household to salvation. Now, Pastor, you got scripture? I got scripture for that. You got a promise, a specific. Okay, now listen, if you're going to nail me down to it, it says if you do this, no, not specifically like that, but I see all the examples through scripture. And I see where God says, train them up in the way they should go when they're older, will not depart from I see all those, but I see even more. And let me show you. Let me show you, show you right here in Scripture. Okay, household salvation. This is in the, in the book of Acts, and this is when Paul and Silas are thrown in jail. And, and i got to be real careful here because I'll try to preach some of, some of this. I don't have time to preach the Scripture. Paul and Silas are thrown in jail. And then finally, uh, uh, the jailer, he, he begins to get convicted. And he says, I want to know this Jesus also. And so Paul and Silas said to him, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, and you and your household. There it is. There it is. If you believe, you'll be saved and your household. But that's not all. It's not just enough to believe and, and then everybody else is going to be saved. Okay, you can't just believe today and then everybody else in your household is going to know Jesus. I mean, that's what he said, isn't it? Okay, but it's a little more than that. He said, if you believe, if you believe and you do what you need to do about it, everybody's going to be saved. You know how it happened? Let's read the rest of the story. Just two more verses right here, the rest of the story. Then Paul and Silas spoke the word of the Lord to this jailer and to all the others in his house. Now wait, they were at the jail when he said, I want to know Jesus. And he says, believe in Jesus and you and your house will be saved. Now he, they have spoken the word to the jailer and to all the household. How did they do this? How did they do that? Because the jailer took them home. At that hour of the night, the jailer had taken them and washed their wounds, and then immediately he and all his household, see that, all his household were baptized in water. We just had a water baptism, you know? And what is that? That's a testimony. The water baptism is a testimony that I have died and now I'm alive again in Jesus. That is a testimony that, that I, am, I am living for Jesus. I have accepted him. I have made my declaration. That's what this means. And so when they baptized his whole household, that's telling us that the whole household said, I believe in Jesus Christ. And how did it happen? When dad brought Jesus home. It's important what you bring home. If he had brought home KFC, everybody would have had fried chicken. Right? Listen, people are not going to have fried chicken in your house unless somebody brings the fried chicken home. And people are not going to have Jesus in your house unless somebody brings Jesus home. You've got, to, you've got to start thinking about what is it that I'm bringing home. And whatever it is you bring home, that's the stuff that's going to be important. What you're talking about and what you're bringing home to the family is what's going to be important. And he had his entire household saved because he brought Jesus home. Because he believed. He brought these two men in. I, I mean, I, I don't have time to draw the picture. You know, I told you I was going to get caught up in this if I'm not careful. But, but draw the picture in your mind for yourself. This man walks in, this man who has never talked about Jesus. He walks in the door and, and he's got Paul and Silas and he says to his family, his kids, his spouse, and he says, he, he says listen to these men. And their dad is like, I've, I've never seen my dad like this. You know, these kids are like, I've never seen my dad like this. This, this dad is, is all wrapped up into this and says, you got to listen to this. you got to listen to these words of life. That he's made. And when they share that, everybody's like, wow, if this has changed my dad like this, what you bring home, dad, is important. So be careful what you bring home. Be careful you don't bring home the wrong thing, but make even more sure you're bringing home the right thing. I believe in household salvation. 
And this is how it starts, but let me give you just a little bit. I've got four more points for you, but they're in the, in, in the Scripture, Deuteronomy. And it, we, won't, we won't take a long time here, but in Deuteronomy chapter 6, let's read this real quick. As, and you must love, this is verse 5 through 9, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them on your hands, wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And you say, that's weird. No, it's not too weird. Just think about it. We do that. I, you got scripture around your house, right? You got one hanging on the wall somewhere, framed somewhere, somewhat. You know, or sometimes you go in places of business even and you walk down the hall and somebody's got a scripture up there, you know? A favorite scripture or something, something to challenge. We do that, don't we? Okay, but he's saying, do it and do it and do it. Four things right here. And you know what the first one is? I told before we jump to this next first one, I want you to see if you can help me figure it out, right? What's the, what is the first thing? What is the first thing mentioned up there? You know, there are many subjects, if, if you think grammatically here, of breaking these sentences down. There are many subjects in, in this paragraph. What is the first subject? What is it? It's the very first subject. It's the second word in the paragraph. You. And who is the you? He's talking to the parents. Because then he talks about to your children. So he's talking to the parents. Okay, so here's the first thing. Okay, go ahead, Chase, to the, to the first one. The first thing, it all begins with you. Your kids believing and loving Jesus begins with you. And I know we will say, oh, no, I can't do that for them. But look what the Scripture said. It begins with you. You love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. It begins with you. And you know why it begins with you? It's because of the impact that you have. As a, as, a, as a mom, as a dad, you have greater influence and impact over your kids than anybody in this world. Even those teenagers that tell them how crazy you are and how stupid you are and all of that, all the, you still have more impact and influence over them. Even when you've had a fight, even when they're, they're rebelling, you still have more influence and impact over them. So take advantage of it. It has to begin with you. And here's the other reason why. Is because if you ain't got it, you can't pass it down. If you don't love him with all your heart, soul, and strength, you can't pass down that kind of love. If you've got just a fake Christianity that's about an hour and 15 minutes, just long enough to get through service, you cannot pass down a true love for Jesus Christ if you don't have it. you got to have it to pass it down. Secondly, there's balance. And in this world today, we need to see some balance. we got parents way over here that they come down on every single thing a little kid does. Poor little kids. I mean, they never do anything right. And then we got parents over here that their kids have never heard the word, don't even know what correction or discipline even means. There's supposed to be a balance. Somewhere in the middle is the truth, where there is correction, but there's also celebration. There's time to say, oh, we need to do this better. You didn't do it. And then there's time to say, you did an awesome job. If I had time right now, I'd tell you the story of Black Sabbath and, and Little League Baseball. Okay? I mean, those are two stories in my life. I'm going to tell you real quick, just as quickly as I can. I had a time that when I was a young teen, I brought home a Black Sabbath album. You know, I brought home a Black Sabbath album to, to a minister's house. My dad was a minister. I brought home a Black Sabbath album. And let me tell you, it was a big deal. I had totally forgotten about this, and my little brother asked me about it the other day. He said, you remember that? I said, oh, yeah. And I thought, man, it's going to work real good in this sermon. I'm so glad he reminded me of it. A black, and you know, 
And let me tell you something. I don't know a single song Black Sabbath sang. I didn't even know a song on that album that I bought. But everybody at, at school was talking about Black So I thought that would be a status symbol if anybody came to my house and I had a Black Sabbath album sitting up there. And so that was the only reason I got And, and my dad demanded. I wasn't going to bed. I wasn't going to school. I wasn't going to sleep. I wasn't going to do anything until the Black Sabbath was gone out of his house because it was his house. But let me tell you something that happened a few years earlier than that. I don't know, probably, I don't know, probably about four or five years earlier than that. I had, I had a really good game in Little League one night. One night. Okay, one, did you get one night? I hit two home runs. Now, back in those, you know, back, I'm talking about when I was so little, they weren't over the fence home runs. They were just driving up the middle and run and run and run, you know, and just don't stop, you know, until the ball gets back in the infield. And I got two. The next morning I woke up, guess what was hanging on my wall? My dad, I don't even know if my dad remembers that he did this. My dad wrote out a poster. Yay, hooray, go Rick. Oh, well, I was Ricky back in those days also. But go Rick. Two home runs, da 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 all hanging there. I woke up and I saw that on my wall. And that meant so much to me that there was also celebration. There has to be a balance. You'll destroy a kid that you only correct and discipline. And you will destroy a kid that you only celebrate and that you never d- correct or discipline. There has to be a balance. Thirdly, talk about God daily. We have a God to brag about. Oh, man, I should have gotten an amen. Let me start out. Let's do it again. Okay, okay. Did you go to sleep on me? Or are you making notes? Hopefully you're making notes. We have a God to brag about. You know, I, we say around here all the time, everybody, every Christian ought to attend a church they brag about. You know, if you don't brag about church, go find one that you brag about. And if you don't serve a God that you can brag about, something's wrong with your God or your relationship with him. We have a God to brag brag about him, talk about him. All the time, we've got all kinds of things to brag to to our children about. And anytime something good happens, we, we we need to be telling our kids about it. Brag about him. I mean, you hear something, uh, you know, if you've got kids in in kids' church and you hear something good happens out here, make sure you tell your kids so that they don't think, you know, Jesus is just about, you know, kids' church and the things that they do there. Tell them about the real-life stuff that happens. Brag about him. Talk about him. That's what the Scripture was talking about. Write it on your foreheads. Write it on your doorposts. Talk about it when you walk down the road. Talk about it at dinner time. Talk about it. Talk about it. Talk about it because this world is talking about everything but God. If they're going to hear about God other than this hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning, they're going to hear it from you. And so if you're not talking, they're not going to hear it except for these few moments you've got them stuck there. A few moments. And so... Here's the fourth thing. Consistency. Yeah, this is really going to get all us, isn't it? Consistency. I want to be real, real plain with you here, okay? I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but I want to be real plain with you. I, I share things about my growing up occasionally. Can I tell you that growing up, and some of you have heard me say this if you've been at 2911 a long time, There may have been a time that I had forgotten, but I never, ever remember a time where I woke up on a Sunday morning when I was living at home with my parents. I never, ever woke up on a Sunday morning and asked, are we going to church today? 
I never heard my brothers ask that I can remember. You know why? Because there was no question. And I know you've got a thousand, th- listen, listen, I know where you, li- I know you have a thousand things on your plate to get done, but I want to be real straight and plain with you here, okay? Your relationship with Jesus Christ and your commitment to his church are not just items on a Christian's to-do list. Those are not just things to get done. Those are who we are. And for two reasons, two reasons. First, let me tell you, and then we're going to bring them in. They're not just items on a Christian's to-do list. Here's the, first, here's the first reason for commitment. Read Scripture. I'm not saying this. God says this in His Word. You cannot love Him without loving His church. You cannot love Jesus without loving, because what does He call us? He calls us His body. You can't love Him without loving His body. I mean, come on, guys. You know, I mean, you wouldn't go ask a girl out and say, I'd really like to go out with you, but could you change something about your body? I mean, it just, it's a mess. I mean, you know, you need to fix your hair. You know, could you just take a bath sometime? You know what? You would, you would not only not get a date. You cannot love Jesus without loving his body. And so when, and so when, you, when I read those scriptures and I hear that, you know what, it, 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 oh, it, it checks me and says, oh, my goodness. Because there are other things he says, you don't love me if this, this. And I think, oh, then, then my love's not what it's supposed to be. So what does that make me do? That makes me go back and say, wait a minute, I, I, I got to fix some things here. I got to change some things. Consistency. Your kids need to see consistency. And right now, we're going to bring the kids in. We're going to take just a moment, and we're going to bring all the kids in. Kids' church, nursery, it's going to get a little loud. Don't worry about it. We're prepared for it, okay? Pastor's ready. We're going to bring all the kids in. When your kids get to you, when they get to you, just, just hold them just a second, and then we're all going to come to the front. We're going to have a final prayer together. Uh, if you will, moms, uh, stand up, turn around, help. The, the, the workers are trying to find you, okay? If you turn around and find them, and uh, you can find some of those. Thank you, all you kids workers. You got a lot of them today helping out with that. Nurses too. Okay, can I ask? Are we getting there? Almost. Wait, just a second. Got a few more. We're still looking for. If yours hadn't found you yet, don't get nervous. We hadn't lost any kids. Okay. Can I ask everyone to stand and come to the front? Bring your families with you, kids, spouse, everybody. If uh, you're not sitting with your family right now, but go find them if you can, and then come to the front, and let's all stand together. And I know we got a lot of families of ones that will be right over here, okay? That's all right. You're a family of one for some of you today. You're getting somewhere, and you got somewhere to go. Amen. And some of your families have won today because nobody's with you. Okay, you just got to stand in for everybody today. Let me tell you this. Prayer team members are going to, in just a few moments, kind of walk around in between you and whatever, and they want to pray with you and your family. And if you have a person, like a certain need, 
that you would like for them to pray, please let them know. If you've got a, a, like a, a, a sickness in your, your family that just won't go away, if you've got a financial need, uh, you know, or, or if your kids are, have a real battle at school, I mean, it's, come on, seriously, this is the place to bring it. You know, so if you've got something like that or anything, anything in your mind, tell that prayer team member, you know, they'll have a lanyard on around. It says prayer, okay? So just tell them. They're going to be passing around and just trying to pray with you, and they, they, won't, they won't invade your space. You know, if you don't want them, they won't, they won't go any farther than just praying real quickly with you. But if you've got a need, by all means, this is it. This is the time. Three sermons in this, and the first two, this is the third. We've prayed over the families every week. Our families need prayer. That's why we're closing here, right here. Okay, here's, here's the second reason for consistency. Look around you. Look around you. I don't mean just down. Look around you, though. Not just to the kids, but you see these people right here? Your kids need these people. Because in the next few years, yeah, they're going to have some Christian teachers. They're going to have some Christian football coaches and, you know, and gymnastics teachers and people. They're going to have some Christian people like that. But the older they grow, the more their faith is going to be challenged. They're going to have some professors at college who are going to tell them that Jesus did not die for their sins and God does not exist. They're going to have some professors who say, yeah, God exists, but that Bible that you call, it's not really the Word of God. And they'll have some that say, oh, yeah, Jesus, he, he did, yeah, God exists, and yeah, that Bible, it is the Word of God. But you can't really take it seriously, okay? It's just like a bunch of writing so you kind of understand. Your kid, that's what they're going to be faced with. And that's why your kids need the consistency of knowing these people standing right here. They need to know these people because these are the people. If, if, think about it. If you can get your kid connected to two or three people older than them in this crowd here that they can be connected with for the rest of their life, then any time they have a problem, they've got somebody besides you that is supporting that. No, Jesus Christ did die for your sin. That is the Word of God, and it means exactly what it says. They need these people. That's why they need to be here. And that, that, that might be a little embarrassing, you know, if you've been a little inconsistent, but we've all been there. What's the important thing is right now, wherever I'm at today, pick up today and say things are going to be different from right now. And see how awesomely you impact your whole family. Your spouse needs these people. If you've got an aunt, uncle, a niece, a nephew, or a grandparent living in your house, they need these people. They need to be around them. And, and, and see how much, you, if you think that you've blown it and you can't fix it, you go home and say things are going to be different starting today. You know, you'll blow your family away just like that jailer did when he came home and he said, you've got to hear what these two men have to say about love and life and power and strength and joy and grace and mercy and peace. You've got to hear that. And it blew them away and they said, yes, we need that. So decide today, dad, I, I mean, I'm probably talking to dads more than anybody. At first I'm talking to dads, but I'm talking to moms. I'm talking to kids. I'm talking to future dads and future moms who are going to have kids. Make up your mind. Make up your mind. It's not a formula. Last little thing. I forgot I had this slide. Let me throw this one at you real quick. I got one last little slide up here. It's not a formula. You remember the Continuum series I just preached to you? It's not like let's get God and let's get the church and let's get the parents together and everything will be good. No, it's Continuum. They overlap. 
And when all these things are in your kids' lives and in your family life, things work. Things fit. Things begin to flow. There will always be trouble. Just like Jamie said, there will always be trouble in life, but things begin to work out. There is strength, there is power, there is mercy, there is grace. There are all those things that you need to remind your kids of every day. So grab that family together. Grab your kids. If you ha- I know some of you got them in your hands. But take, take the hand of, of all your family members or put an arm around them or whatever, but get them together right now, Dad, and I want to pray over you. I want to pray that your house is a haven, a strength, a place that the, your kids, when, when they are embattled at school or they are struggling or whatever, and they, they've got a place they can come home to that they know they're accepted, they know they're loved, they know they're protected, and they know they can get the truth. I want to pray that over you right now. And these prayer team members are going to be praying that as well. Jamie.